1: Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T.
3: Got my PrevNAR 20 shot. It's a
4: pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect.
3: I'm 19,
5: strong.
4: And asthmatic and at higher risk
6: Welcome back to another edition of All the Smoke. My Welcome brother, back, bro. How you? I'm good, man. How you been? Blessed. You've been shaking and baking. You've been all around the country hosting camps, give backs. Yeah. You got a chance to sit down and relax at all lately?
5: Not really, but uh, I'll sleep when I die. And uh, you know, I ain't leaving no money on the table. Can't do it. Mm-mm. Can't do it. We got a
6: special guest today, friend of the program. We've all got a chance to work with her over at Fox, Joy Taylor.
2: Hi guys, thanks What's for having
6: up? me. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate your time. Let's jump right into it. The current state of sports media, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, I think before it used to be we're reporting on sports. Now I think with the infusion of social media, now we're reporting on a lifestyle more than sometimes just what they actually do. What's your take on that?
2: Well, I try to look at covering sports as a human thing anyway um, because we're covering human beings. You're not robots. You're not merchandise. You're not uh, a commodity. And we sometimes when we talk about sports, we tend to talk about athletes that way. Oh, he got traded here. He got cut here. It just becomes very inhumane. So in some ways, I kind of like that we get to know athletes on a more personal level through social media, through the different you know, channels this... Mm-hmm. podcasts, things like that. So it humanizes athletes in a way for not just the media, but also for fans that understand there's a deeper deeper level to everything that's happening in sports than just win losses points. and you know yeah, mm-hmm. points and mm-hmm. quantifying everything. So mm-hmm. I, I think it's actually, in a lot of ways, a positive thing because it forces us to humanize athletes more.
6: Right. How has social media, in your opinion, kind of changed almost your job, sports media as a whole? Because, I mean... You see breaking news left and right. Uh, Now social media is somewhere where it's really a lot more negative than it is encouragement or positivity. So how do you feel like social media has kind of changed the landscape of kind of what you do?
2: Well, social media gave everybody a voice.
6: Some don't deserve it. Which is a
2: great thing. Social media gave everybody a voice, Mm -hmm. which is also not a great thing. And that's not to be condescending, but I went to school for broadcasting. I have a, you know, a journalistic education, even though I'm not a journalist. I still feel a responsibility to, you know, to some level. I can't just retweet anything. You right. know, I, I try to be careful about what stories I dig in on. Mm-hmm. If I'm ignorant on a topic, I might not necessarily give my opinion right. just because everyone is giving their opinion about it. If I don't feel strongly or compelled about it or I don't feel fully educated or I'm ignorant about it, I'm going to lay out. So social media has kind of made everybody feel like they have to have an opinion about everything. Right. And
6: everything, right.
2: And, and you don't. And also your opinion isn't needed on everything. Right. I mean, you don't walk into your house and tell your mama what you think about her dress. Now, you have an opinion about her dress, but nobody asked you for your (laughs) opinion on her dress. (laughs) And if you give your opinion on her dress, you might regret giving your opinion on her dress. And it's just a, a way of life that's become normal to us. And overall, I think it's a positive thing, but it has changed Mm -hmm. how we do business. I mean, when I started in the business, we didn't use social media to level. I mean, it's 2007. It existed, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't an everyday—I mean, you're not checking Twitter every 30 seconds. I have alerts on for certain reporters, you know, just Mm -hmm. to keep track of everything. I think it makes our jobs easier in a lot of ways because we don't have to do—or at least I don't have to do sourcing. You know, right. I can let a reporter do their job mm-hmm. and if they're trusted and their reputation is you know, strong, you can I can just use it. their information. But right. there's pros and cons for everything. I think the important thing is to just find what works for you and balance.
6: What do you think about the give and take now with, Athletes that respond to the negativity because now they're like, well, you're so-and-so. Why are you even responding to these people? But people don't understand when enough people are fucking nagging at you and saying crazy shit all the time, the human reaction is to defend yourself. Anyone said, says, oh, just ignore it, has never been in that situation. What do you think about that give and take? You know, you can take Kevin Durant or you can take several, di- myself, several different athletes, some people, Jack, that mm-hmm. respond to the negativity but then are kind of, Looked down upon by sports media for
5: doing it. Everybody can dish it, but everybody can't take it.
2: <clears throat> well, everybody doesn't get it right, either.
5: Right.
2: It's very easy foremost. to tell somebody do this or behave this way when that's not your lifestyle. If you're Tim4567, nobody's bothering you. Right. Nobody knows who you are. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. So it's very easy for you to say, Katie shouldn't respond.
5: Right.
2: You don't have 10 million people right. telling you you're a sellout every day. Right, right have that happen to you and then we can come and have a legit conversation about Mm -hmm. it. That's right. I think whatever makes you feel confident or comfortable or whatever it is you want to do is what you should do. Don't let them get you emotional though. Right. Right. Like people ask me all the time, why do I why do I respond? Sometimes I just feel like it. Right. Mm-hmm. Sometimes somebody's I gotta I have to sacrifice someone. Like yes, people are <laughs> right. saying too much. Like you the one right. today. Yes, <laughs> like, yes, you get, yes. You have to get roasted. I got today. time. I got time. Right. Yeah. I'm in the car. I'm in an Uber. Like, all right. It's you today. You you the one. But it doesn't hurt my feelings because I'm a face to face person. If you would not walk up to me on the street and right. say this, and we know they wouldn't, they wouldn't. right? They wouldn't. Then it's not gonna hurt my feelings. Right. But I also know that there are women who follow me who don't feel uh, not as confident, but it does affect them. Right. And they don't, they don't wanna respond that way, but they like when I do because mm-hmm. they're getting the same things. Right. So you know, there's different reasons why I respond. It works for me. It doesn't change my day. I'm gonna leave here. I'm gonna go watch the game. I'm enjoying my night. Like right. it's not gonna affect my day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's very easy for people who aren't in that situation to, to tell other people how to behave. Yeah.
6: I got been the ass by responding just yesterday and I'm, I responded to some negative shit in the morning and in the afternoon I got a message your Instagram account has been disabled so, like, I'm off Instagram right now for responding to some bullshit. Did, you, upset me. did you use you I do a couple cuss words. Yeah, yeah, I threw a couple okay. cuss words in there. That, that's for goddamn sure. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, bro, I don't got an Instagram account right now. Hopefully I can get it back because I just tapped a million. Don't steal that shit from my Instagram. It <laughs> took me a minute to get there. But anyway, right. carrying on. Race, gender, and equality when it comes to sports media coverage right now. That's really kind of the center focus, which I think is great because it's it's— They've always kind of been separated and you kind of have been able to keep sports and sports has always kind of been that safe, that happy place. But now more than ever, we're just being real. There's, you know, there's, there's race issues, there's gender issues, there's inequality issues in sports. And now we're discussing those. How do you feel about that?
2: As far as like women's sports and men's sports? Just in general, and,
6: just kind of doing, giving this you know, it's due diligence or it's just.
2: Well, I think, I think the time for just accepting what is for what it is and I don't know, I'm going to say turning the other cheek or just putting your head down and working through it or just doing things the way we've done it and that's why we're going to keep doing it. Like, that's over. Right. Mm-hmm. And and it should be over. All those are weak excuses for behavior. Right. And similar to social media, giving people a voice, social media has been instrumental in spreading the word about inequalities. Right. And uh, I think, you know, the women's tournament this year was a good example of that. Absolutely. For me, it's like, why? What is the win? Why is it so difficult? Why can't you just see ahead of the curve? Like, when, so nobody walked in the room and saw that this was not equal and was like,
6: there were six weights in here and the whole is six, weight room for Why are these
2: Amazon weights? <laughs> why, does the men, why does the men's room look like this and the women's room look like this? But because people don't do that, there still has to be this push for equality, and that's just that's just one example of it. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, I just think the time for accepting things for what they are is just, is over. And the faster that companies and organizations and leagues understand that, then there'll be less of that
6: Expo, yeah. exposure yeah, happening. Them. Like you said, you got to make an example yeah. out of
5: them. It's been the blind leading the blind for so long. It just feels good that everybody's opening their eyes.
2: Well, a lot of it is people in charge... I mean, it is what it is. You've got a bunch of people in this room making decisions who are all the same kind of people.
6: Right. Mm -hmm. Look the same, think the same, came from the same same,
2: background. Come from the same background. And the problem with that is, and then when you challenge that, it's like, oh, well, these are all the right people for the job or the best people for the job. Why were they the best people for the job? Mm -hmm. Because someone who looked like them decided they were the best person from the job and so on and so forth. And the problem with having a bunch of people in the room making decisions who are all from the same place, who all look the same, who are all the same gender is, they're all going to make the same. They're all going to come to the same conclusion. Right. There's not going to be any challenge because there's no perspective to have a challenge or right.
6: understanding. Right. So right. No so clue. like
2: the value of diversity. It, it <laughs> people who don't like diversity or like the idea of diversity, always challenge it as well. you know, we're making exceptions for people, or this person didn't earn it. Mm-hmm. It's like it's, diversity isn't just for us. It's for you. It's for
6: right. Everything. You learn something. Right
2: not even learn something. You will make more money. Right. You will be more successful. Your employees will be happier. Your company will do better right. if you are inclusive. It's not about a slogan or a Twitter hashtag. Right. This is reality. The evidence, the numbers are there. Right. And it'll save you if that's all you care about from some PR scandals. If right. you can't see past all of that, at least let me boil it down for that to, to you. You won't be trending on Twitter. Yeah because there'll be someone else in the room who can stop you and say, this, this is not how people that look like me are gonna respond Ooh, to this, just right, so you know. Right. So I think it's just holding people accountable and all of it is, it comes full circle with, you know, we're not- we're not, Regardless what race. I'm taking shit anymore. You hold,
5: everybody needs to be held accountable. Not just yeah. you know, all No, it's not,
2: it's not one particular race or, or persons or people. I think it's just very hard to have nuanced conversations on the internet. Mm-hmm. And that's where a lot of conversation is had now, which isn't a negative thing because at least it starts the conversation. But the right. next step, of course, is action.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: And, you know, sports is a good place for that to start because sports is a microcosm of society.
5: What's your thoughts on Shikari Richardson?
2: I don't know. I have lots of thoughts on Shikari. <laughs> Um Well, I ran track. That's the sport that I played the longest. I ran track in college. Also, a huge FloJo fan. Mm-hmm. I try to get people to call me FloJo. I <laughs> that it never stuck. My name's too short to have a nickname. JJ Jo Joy. J Jo. No, no, it's FloJo. FloJo. joy I was my email, like everything. So, you know, I was very excited to see Shaqiri run, and very disappointed, like everyone else was, to hear the news. But I think there's, I mean, there's a million different angles on it. But the first thing for me is that I think what's being lost in the conversation about Sha'Carri, first and foremost, this young person lost her mother. Mm-hmm. And there's no empathy around the conversation. It's right. straight to follow the rules or the rules need to be Rule, changed or Michael Phelps. And or how just she like, found
6: out, too. Yeah. Like the reporter told her that was the first time she heard that her mom died from right. a reporter. And, she and didn't even know.
2: There's no empathy for this young person who's clearly suffering mm-hmm. from a loss that all of us can understand and mm-hmm. empathize with, but nobody is, is putting that as the first thing that we're talking about. So f- first and foremost, like condolences to yeah. her for right. losing her mother and then losing her opportunity to compete in the Olympics and then becoming <laughs> a week's worth of news conversation about her personal life and her decisions and all of that is a lot for someone to go through. First and foremost. Second, I think sometimes in life, really dramatic things have to happen for there to be change. Right. And I mean, we all obviously Mm -hmm. are comfortable with the use of marijuana. Right. Everyone around the world, everyone around our country is not. And that's okay. But facts don't care about feelings. Mm. And the facts are, it's going to be legal everywhere. Right. It's inevitable. It's not it's not up to you and like where you stand on it morally or religiously, like it comes down to money, like everything in life and it's going to bring in billions of dollars in tax money. Mm-hmm. So it's going to happen cuz it's already happened in 36 states and four territories. So deal and with it's it. legal in dozens of countries around the world because there's an understanding and education about it. So look, people don't like to drink. Some people don't think that You should drink, but it's still legal and there's bars on every corner because the government makes money off of it. And people like to do it. And when they stopped making alcohol legal, what do they do? It's speakeasy. (laughs) Like people still drank. People are going to do what they want to do. Now, when it comes to marijuana and athletes, I just think it's very hypocritical for leagues and organizations to not allow athletes to use marijuana or CBD or whatever it is when they're competing, but you don't test for alcohol. Right. And
5: That's, which is worse.
2: You're which is worse. And you're comfortable with opioids oh. and all shots and whatever else you can prescribe to someone to get them out on the court or the field or the track, but you have a problem with marijuana. Mm-hmm. So those things don't medically make sense. Right. Which then, of course, leads to the conversation of this is institutionally. A racist policy. Right. Now, again, a, it's a very nuanced conversation. A lot to unload. So, there's a lot, to, a lot to break down. The bottom line is the rule needs to be changed. It's legal here. I don't care about around the world because everyone's talking about, all I guess Alcohol's not legal everywhere. Right. They still don't test for alcohol. Mm-hmm. And more importantly, I think the, the main thing with this is it doesn't matter if she uses marijuana every day or not. She said, she told us, and who am I to say she's a liar right, or right. you or anyone? She said she was in a moment of pain and chose to use marijuana legally because she was suffering.
5: Right. Point blank. Period. She wasn't
2: competing high. So this is not what, That's not what happens. Right. And even if she was competing high, it doesn't matter, obviously, because we all are aware of the effects of marijuana. Right. But she wasn't doing that. So there's, there's 50 million different layers to it. Bottom line is, change the fucking rules so she can run.
5: The sad part is, as a, as a community, so much has happened to us. They just expect us to be numb to everything. Like, just deal with it and move on. And and, and, that's, and that's really what I got out of it. Like, even, even though, you know, it, it's rules to everything, but at the same time, they don't expect us to be able to, to, to go through anything. Like, deal with it and move on. And they expect us to be numb to everything. Yeah. And that's not real life. We, we're human. Right.
2: Well that's what that's why she tweeted, I'm I'm human. Right. Yes, it's it, look, we can go on and on and on about the lack of empathy for black women and right. you know, their experiences and all of that. Again, a whole other mm-hmm. <laughs> podcast we could do. I, I just try to get to a simple thought about it and it's empathy first for what she's going through. And the rule has to change, and I think that because she has become the star that she is. And because it's so impactful with the Olympics being right around the corner, which they've already had to postpone because of COVID. Like this is a very big, powerful moment and everyone needs to be measured about, okay, it's time to change the rule. And not just for track and field, not just for the Olympics, for all these leagues and find a way to provide alternatives for athletes that are not as harmful as the, the pills and the and, and the ridiculous. shots and it's not like i'm not on this whole holistic thing it's just, just these are facts like right. i've talked to nfl players who are like yeah i took a handful of pills because <laughs> so much pain just to get out on the Shift field again. like mm-hmm. a handful and my hands are like mm-hmm. little like this is a big mm-hmm. guy so like extra like i don't know but i remember mm-hmm. how many more pills you could fit Not exaggerating. You guys know.
4: Right.
2: So I just think it's it's time for change. And it'll it'll happen, I believe, because she has so much power. Mm -hmm.
6: I'll take it even a step further, not only in athletics, but just the workplace in general. You know what I mean? People from a day-to-day deal with a lot of shit. And like you said, alcohol isn't tested so people can binge drink and be fucked up the next day or pop a bunch of pills and go to work. But if you medicate with cannabis, you're at risk of losing your job.
2: I don't want to measure what people feel feel like others should do because it's really like none of, none of your business, right. you know? To each his own. To each his own. But it's a matter of education. Like there's just been this stigma applied to marijuana that is not true. It's just not factually accurate. Right. And I don't have a lot of patience for like lies. Like it's not, it's just not true. Mm-hmm. So I think an edu- a, a good level of education, taking the stigma away from it, making people aware of what, what it actually is and what people actually use it for and stop making it be this like Nancy Reagan gateway drug thing. Like it's, that's, <laughs> right. that's,
6: that's... The 80s bullshit. That was a
2: lie. Like, right. <laughs> that's right. not real. Right. It's not real. It's not because it's my opinion. It's facts. Right. Like it is, there's, there's actual... Edu- there's like educational things you can, things so you can study so you can you learn about question, this. Joy.
5: If, if she wasn't black, do you think it would have been a big of a deal?
2: Uh, no, I don't. I don't.
5: I agree, because the reason why I say that, because they was even attacking the Jamaican women, talking about their uh, testosterone levels was too high for women. You know, and they were talking about the other woman, uh, they can't wear certain, the swimmers couldn't wear certain things on her head, but you have a white lady, a white man who's now a woman, Competing in sports, but nobody's saying nothing about that and no, winning. No,
2: people are people are talking about it. You know what I mean? Not, not enough. It's it. not enough. Yeah, yeah, not people enough. People are talking about it. I think um, I will. Actually, I shouldn't say that. It's just because Shikari is black. Shikari is a star. Mm-hmm. Shikari had a moment, and everyone got excited about it, right. and everyone was ready. To see her and in a in a kind of rare space for us as a country, because we don't agree on anything right, and everyone was excited about something that we only get every four right. years, which something is the behind. Olympics, which we can all get behind. It's a really interesting moment of a lot of different aspects coming together to get people talking. so I think it's important, and I hope you know. I hope Shakari's being supported because she's being talked about a lot. Right. And that can be very stressful, I'm sure, but you know, she is she is now the face of it yeah. and I think that I think, it's, I think it's important that she is because she's, she has that kind of star power to make a change. Well,
6: oh, I think, I mean, I, I don't think it's on the level that he was on, but I think it's, like you said, the star power that's going to get things moved is the Kaepernick situation. Yeah. You know, he had to be the sacrificial lamb. She is a sacrificial lamb in this situation. Fortunately, she's young enough to still be able to compete. She can compete later or, or next year um, and hopefully make the next Olympics. But like you said, I think the star power, it starts the conversation in sports, which leads to hopefully some sort of change. So right. Hopefully. Something good will come out of this.
0: What's up? I'm John Wall. And
1: I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three time NBA Six Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one on one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have ticked it all?
0: I said, I said OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college You think I knew it? Ain't it?
1: <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
7: How do we level the playing field for all entrepreneurs? 55% of white businesses survive the startup phase, while only 4% of black businesses do the same. So I want every black entrepreneur to know about the 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative. The 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative is an award-winning program
4: Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T.
6: Um, let's go to your upbringing. P- uh, Pittsburgh, but spent a lot of time in South Florida with your brother playing out there. Talk to us about your upbringing.
2: So I was born and raised in Pittsburgh. Black and yellow, um, black and yellow. <laughs> yeah, 412. Um, I was actually homeschooled until my junior year of high school. Really? What mm-hmm. was that like?
6: I couldn't imagine it that. It was...
2: Um, well, I mean, a lot of people just went through this last year, being yeah. home school, in homeschooled yeah. in a way. Yeah. yeah. So um, really,
6: from kindergarten to your junior high school, you yeah. never went to a real school? Nope. Couldn't wait to get out the house. Couldn't oh, wait, couldn't jump wait to jump off the, out the out. porch. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's
2: why I'm outside all the time now. <laughs> <laughs> <still catching> up.
5: <laughs>
2: no, I played sports, though. So I, I was running track, mm-hmm. um, AAU when I was really young. Played basketball, soccer, volleyball. Uh, was a church kid, so I was always a always at church, always out in the neighborhood and a bunch of kids in, uh, in the neighborhood. So I was very socialized, which is why I'm only like kind of weird. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I went to school at Woodland Hills where I played sports my junior year. So I kind of knew, you know, a decent amount of people because I'd, I was there with, you know, any, anybody who played sports at school there, I knew. So I was like half a new girl. Um, but Pittsburgh is a great place to grow up. It's a, you know, it's a sports town, blue collar place. Yeah, my brother was drafted in '97. Kind of not like it was, it was different then. Like everyone thinks now, like, you know, you get drafted, it's like the whole, you know, big draft day, mm-hmm. Schefter's saying your name. And it was like, it was, I mean, we had like a bunch of people in our house in Turtle Creek, and he's like stressing over the phone being up <laughs> at the wall. But it was it was interesting seeing him go from, you know, where we grew up. To Miami, to then becoming a star in Miami, and then eventually becoming a a Hall of Famer, which is probably why I look at sports as we started talking about it from a more human perspective. Because I've seen him, you know, try to make the team and then, you know, be so big walking around Miami, he couldn't like eat at restaurants and then not be with the Dolphins anymore and got to make the team in New York and then coming back and retiring. And then, you know, I was there with him when he got told he was making it into the Hall of Fame. So I've seen everything that cuts the trades. And I think like that and me being an athlete myself growing up, you know, getting recruited for track and soccer in college, I just have a different perspective on on sports and just what it means when I cover people and talk about people. Like I kind of look at it as whatever I say, this person's going to hear. Like there's a camera right there. So... This is, this is face-to-face to me. Mm-hmm. So I think that kind of changed my, my perspective on things. And just being a woman in sports, like everyone in Pittsburgh is a sports fan. So when people are like, oh, like how did you get into sports? I'm like, I don't know. How did you get into sports? I don't know. Did your family <laughs> watch sports? <laughs> and like you had a favorite team and like the same way you did. But my grandmother and my two aunts lived together. And they were like, whatever they watch on TV all day, when the game's on, they, turn it over. And they're mad or they're happy, and then they're back to talking about the weather. Like, that's what these three old ladies did. So watching sports and being a sports fan was just never, uh, it was never like a thing to me. Natural.
5: Project. Who did you enjoy watching, and who were you rooting for?
2: So everyone's a Steelers fan, obviously. Duh. In Pittsburgh. You're not allowed to be there. Although my mom made her way around that. She's a Cowboys fan, but she liked them. as well.
5: I don't blame her. I don't blame her. Here you go. Yes.
2: <laughs> I don't know how she got away with that, but um yeah, you see, you yeah, know, I love the Steelers, but I also love Dan Marino. He's a pit guy. Mm-hmm. So I always had like a thing for the Dolphins and then, you know, I'm going to I'm a root for whatever team my family's on. Of course. You know, we were talking uh to Mark Sanchez earlier um about the 2010 Jets. I was like, I was a Jets fan that year. Like, Jason's—I don't know. I hate the Jets any other year, but Jason's on the team. Like, I'm a root for the Jets. What are right, you talking about? Right, It's family over everything. But, yeah, it's—and I still—I don't really get hurt by any team anymore, but I still let the Heat hurt me a little bit. <laughs> Just a little bit. It's like a—you know, it's different when you're doing national because I can't, like, right. dig in with the team.
5: Yeah.
2: You know, but I have to cover everybody. Fan.
6: You're but definitely a Heat fan. I do
2: love the Heat. Yeah. I
6: love the heat. Any memorable stories uh, being around your brother and the Dolphins as you were kind of coming up in this space?
2: Let me see which one I want to tell. Mm. <laughs> uh let me think so he was he jason used to be really protective of me uh he's not he don't care no more
6: <laughs> he's, he's, not, he's tired of doing <laughs> like with like the big brother that'll intimidate you yeah. or fight you
2: no no, no no because no, he's older he's 12 years older than me okay, so and i don't have gap. a relationship with my dad so he you know he wasn't really like around um that much growing up because he's so much older than me Um, And then he was in in Florida. So, like, I pretty much grew up with him, you know, not being in the Mm -hmm. house around. But when I got to Miami, you know, he was like, you know, because I went to college down there. Like, this is my sister whatever. And I was always really respectful. Like, this is his space. So, this is MySpace days. And, uh, you know, one of his teammates reached out to me on MySpace. Mm Hmm. Like, that's the old school DMs. But you remember MySpace didn't really have, like, verified pages no. mm-hmm. so th- it was really kind of difficult to find out if somebody was like this really is a legit damn. page or just like a big time fan I got page the
6: one time i was on myspace when we played for the warriors together i left the girl at the door because she didn't look the same in the picture than she did when she came to the door so she got left there but go ahead and finish with your story <laughs> I was <at> the door. <laughs> I left her you don't lie to me because you're, li- you're, like you're lying yourself, Jones. does she
2: not look like her picture
6: that's a lie whether you're talking or
2: showing, that's a lie. I gotta see the evidence to judge, <laughs> but I'll, I'll I'll trust you on it. Um. So anyway, I didn't know if it was him, but then I was like, he's not like, he's not big enough to have a fake page, right? You know what I mean? Like either this is a serial killer or like this is him. Like nobody's making a fake page for him. So anyway, he said something about my pictures or whatever. So I went over to Jason's house the next day and I showed uh, showed his ex-wife. And she was like, "Oh, you gotta tell Jason." And I was like, "Well, yeah, I'm gonna tell him." But like, what is there to tell? Like, I didn't like, I'm not talking to him. Like, this is the entire exchange. So he comes in, whatever. I show it to him, and he goes, "I mean, nuts." He's screaming. He's so mad at me. I'm like, "I didn't, I didn't do anything." Like, I'm showing you this is the, this is the entire exchange. Like, mm-hmm. I'm showing this to you. Like, I don't care about. Who, first of all, I ain't gonna risk it over this one. It's just be being right. real. But like, <laughs> like I'm showing it to you. I'm like, why are you so mad? He's like, well, he, he saw you in the parking lot at the last game. I'm in college at this point. He's like, he saw you in the parking lot, and he said something to me about you, like, in the locker room. And I told him, don't talk to her. That's my sister. All like, right. she's, not for, she's not for you. Don't talk to her. Don't say her name. Like, nothing. Because he didn't, he didn't. also didn't like him to begin with. So it was like— So no flow joy for is, him? This is a no flow joy <laughs> thing. <laughs> so— so I'm like, oh, so he like, he did it anyway. Mm. And he was like, yeah, I'm going I'm to a, I'm a see him tomorrow at <laughs> the mm. facility. So I'm like, all right, whatever. I don't care what you do. Like, I don't care what you do with him. It's not, I'm just telling you this is what he did. And he saw him the next day and like confronted him. And the dude was like, I don't know what you're so mad for. There's mad bitches on MySpace. Which, why you would call someone's sister a bitch to their face after you oh, just told wow. you not to talk to her in the first place, I don't know. But anyway, um, they proceeded to fight and um, tear the locker room up a little bit, but mm. I thought that was a funny story.
5: Yeah, that is good.
2: Because I was innocent. I like that. Innocent. Innocent in all counts.
5: He was willing to take beat down over the floor of Flo Joy, huh? <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, he, like, that's the definition he of, of risking it all. You risked, like, he he risked it. You risked it and
6: all. These, you know, <laughs> you know Jay J, J is what all pro, the man right here on the team. So you're really—it you wasn't a mean?
2: logical decision on any on any count. I mean, it just was. It was wild. It was wild to me because I'm like, I didn't even do anything. Like I'm, I'm just here existing over here, minding my business, trying to, you know, pass just, just philosophy school, of right. art, and you're uh, bothering me, but.
6: Tell us about uh, Barry University, uh, where you went in Miami. You were there for four years, oh uh, five or oh five to oh nine. Uh, talk to us about that experience and what it was like, and how you kind of found your footing in broadcasting. Joy, making me feel old.
2: Actually, Crazy, I transferred right? to Barry. I was I ran track my freshman year at IUP in Pennsylvania, and then I transferred to Barry. Barry's great. I mean, I love that school. I, I I wound up there because I couldn't find how to get there when I. It was what was it two thousand six, I guess. I was trying to find directions and I called. I mean, there was a GPS then. I don't know how old people are we're watching all, this. we all like, you didn't have it right on your phone.
5: now. You got me feeling old over yeah. the So I'm
2: just driving around trying to find it. And I called the office and um, one of the secretaries stayed on the phone with me for like 40 minutes, got me there, set me up with a, a tour. And like, that was my whole experience there. It's very like it's a small school, private school. And the professors really care about like you developing and learning every aspect of the business. So you learn how to produce, you learn how to make a show, you learn how to use the camera, you learn how to edit, you learn how to do radio, like you do everything there. And I, I feel like it really helped me. Like it really gave me not just the education on like you know, I graduated from college, but I really learned how to like be a broadcaster, what all this means, what all the technical stuff means. And I still apply that to what I do today. Like things I learned in college, I still use today. Probably the most useful thing, which I was not listening to at the time, <laughs> um, was writing. Mm. All my professors were like, you have to write, you have to write, you have to write, you're going to have to write forever. You have to write in every job you have. And I liked to write, but I didn't understand the value of what they were saying until I really got into the business and was like, oh yeah, I guess this is the thing you got to do every day. And I still write, I still write every day. But Barry was amazing um, and I, I'm, I'm really grateful I got to go there. What
6: are some of your early memories uh, breaking into radio while you are in college?
2: So I started in radio at Barry actually. We had a student uh, radio station there and I was a manager and radio is just, you, there's no, there's no pause. Right. There's no pause in radio. You just have to make Mouth sounds for as long as <laughs> the mic air, is right. on, but I lo- that's why I love radio. Well, I really love radio because it gives you an ability to create a scene for someone while they're listening. So They call it theater of the minds, and a great radio show is part of your people's routine. They're driving into work in the morning, or they're driving home after work, or they're you know a delivery driver and they listen every day. And they just become a part of your life and you become a part of theirs. Like mm-hmm. what's, what's going on in your personal life, like what your ticks are, all of, this, all of this becomes a part of your personality. And I love that radio gave you the opportunity to do that. And TV can do that, but you don't have the flexibility on television because you have hard outs and the commercials and you have commercials on radio, but it's not the same thing. So yeah, but you have to be able to talk a lot all day. <laughs> all day. So preparation is really what radio taught me the most, because if you're not prepared, you're not gonna do a good radio show. Mm-hmm. We've all listened to terrible radio shows well, where they're yes, just babbling and like scratching, trying to find <laughs> something to say. And it's a lot of pressure, but I'm 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 glad I got to start where I did because it every rep makes you better at anything, mm-hmm. whether it's sports, television, radio, whatever. And I got to get a lot of my, my worst moments out when nobody was listening. <laughs> That's
6: always good. <laughs> Post-college, what, was there an opportunity or two that helped you break into the industry?
2: Yeah. One of the things that definitely uh, helped me get from the next level once I started in radio— I mean, interning is very important. In, in this business, having an internship is important. Um, I did two internships when I was in college— both radio, one at an entertainment radio station, music station, and a sports radio station, which both helped me tremendously. Because really all of this is entertainment. Like this is the entertainment Mm -hmm. industry. But actually being told I I wasn't good enough for a job really kind of pushed me into what eventually became my first full-time job in the business. And then that led to me having the radio show in Miami that I had for a few years before I came to FS1, which eventually led me to FS1, which eventually led me to here on this couch with you two. Right. Mm. So every no isn't a bad thing. Um, I was, <laughs> ironically, I was filling in as an update anchor, which is now technically my- Update anchor. Job host. I was filling in. The regular guy was out. He was sick. Program director told me to do the updates and so I did them, it was like a Friday. He came back Monday and I was doing them again because the guy was still out. He came in yelling, screaming at me, who, who told you to do updates? I'm like, you, remember? <laughs> I did them all day on Friday. How quick
5: you forget.
2: Yeah. And uh, anyway, long story short, he told me I couldn't do them anymore. Then I talked to another boss and he was like, yeah, you're, you're not ready to do updates. Now, at this point, I'd already been at the station for a year. I've already graduated from college multiple internships, including one at the station I'm working at now. I'm doing fill-ins on the weekend. Like, I can read a 30 second script right. with some scores on it. I, I believe in myself. Like, I know I can do I At can, least that much. I can do that. I can do it. And I was ready. Like, I just felt like I'm ready for the next step. But I, had he not done that, I probably would have stayed there. Right. Ooh. I would have kept working part-time $8 an hour, whatever it was, before taxes and working five days a week on South Beach bartending. I probably would have kept doing that. But because he told me no, I was like, all right, I think it's probably time to move on. So I started reaching out and seeing if there were any other jobs available. Got interviewed for the executive producer job, got that job, and then here we are. The
5: rest is history. Who were your mentors and role models in the media space?
2: Um, I, don't, I wouldn't say I had a lot of mentors. Dan Levitar was really helpful for me in Miami. Like he was him. big for me. Dan is a big advocate of all of his people. He's a big advocate of diversity, obviously. Um, he helped me a lot. And that was, that was his station, 790,
5: yeah.
2: um, where I started. Well, I started at 560, but he was big. Um, Joe Rose gave me my first intern sh- internship in the business at 560, which is where I eventually fr- got hired. Uh, DJ Laz in Miami was big. He, he allowed me to produce his show as an intern and gave me a lot of responsibility. But that taught me how to make a good show how to be flexible, do things that relate to the community, really relate to the listener. So he was big. Um, I didn't have a lot of female mentors, which I wish I had more of, but they're, you know, could use a few more (laughs) women in the business. (laughs) Um, But yeah, those those guys definitely really helped me. And I mean, I've worked with amazing, amazing talent. Colin has been huge for me. Um, Skip Bayless, obviously did a lot for me in my my career. He was great to me. Um, Shannon as well. Uh, Jonathan Zaslow, my co-host in Miami. He really advocated for me. Um, Dan Cilio, Sid Rosenberg. I mean, I've worked with just a lot of a lot of men that really really pushed for me and fought for me and that's that's helped me a lot in my career. So,
6: when did you realize or or what point in your career did you realize you were heading in the right direction like okay, this is where I'm supposed to be and I'm starting to make waves in it?
2: So, after college, Kind of, I've had the ability to relate to a lot of kids who are coming out of college with COVID this past year because it was very scary for anyone, obviously, who was graduating right. from school trying to find a job, especially in this business. When I graduated from school, I was lined up to essentially take over the job I was already doing at Power 96 in Miami with DJ Laz. And the whole industry had a hiring freeze because clear channel which is now iheart media fired half their I staff
5: heard. China, I heard.
2: yes <laughs> they fired half their staff so it froze the whole the whole business and so i couldn't get the job because i was technically an intern and they would only promote from within mm. and i wasn't actually an employee so i was kind of stuck after school i didn't know what to do like i had all my eggs in that basket like that was the job i was gonna get i didn't look anywhere else i didn't i didn't know what to do so i kind of like Wandered around freelancing, doing random things for about a year and a half after school. And had a bad relationship, wound up in a kind of bad space. And I mean, I was just like completely and totally lost back in Miami, trying to figure out what, like, what's the first step to really like get on the path to launch my career. I don't even know where to go. Nobody's hiring. I don't have a job. I'm sleeping on my friend's couch. Ooh. I gave her that couch two years ago. <laughs> like, I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Right. And I was talking to a friend of mine who's very successful and I'm complaining and I'm bitching. And he's like, just stop talking for a second. What's something you want for yourself in the next three years? It can be anything. It could be a man, it could be a car, like a job, whatever. What is it that you want for yourself in the next three years? Not 10 years. What do you want to be when you grow up? Three years. I was like, I want to be full-time on air, radio or TV in the next three years. Yeah, made that happen. He's like, great. How much of your energy are you putting towards making that happen? Just that, right. And I thought it was a very specific word he used. Not time, not money. Energy. Energy. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't know, 10%? Like, I don't have a job. I have no money. I'm sleeping on a couch. I don't, like, I don't know what to do. My family's not talking to me. Like, I'm in a bad space. He's like, well, why are you surprised that's not happening for you then? And I don't know if it's speak- where I was <laughs> or like everything I had just gone through or I was listening or I was just at that moment in life. We all have it where we like stop trying to figure everything out for ourselves and listen to people who know more. Yep. And I haven't strayed from that mantra ever since. I was like, okay, I have this goal. Everything I do is going to align with reaching that goal. And all my energy is going to go towards that. And energy is like, if you understand the concept of energy, it's a lot more than just one thing. And it has to be all of those things in order to be successful. Because people talk about, oh, I want to be successful all the time. Successful at what? Mm
5: -hmm. What are you willing to do to get that? What are you willing
2: to do? But what is it that you want to be successful at? Do you want to be a successful entrepreneur? Do you want to be a successful doctor, a successful lawyer, a successful fashion designer, photographer, television host? All those things have different paths and different things you need to be doing right now to reach that goal. Right. And your energy has to be put towards that. It's just like sports. If you want to be the best player of all time, what do you got to have? Mamba mentality. Yep. You can't just show up and shoot around for 15 minutes and think that that's going to happen for you, even if you are the most talented.
6: Right. So, you hear that, twins?
2: <laughs> Mamba mentality. Right. So no it's that's that was really like a moment for me that changed my not just my career but my whole life but it definitely put me on the right like the right path.
5: How do you feel how important is it is it to become an inspiration for women in the sports business and want to be in sports?
2: Um it's very important for me because I really didn't I didn't have I had a few people who reached out Leslie Visser and a few other people but I think that it's, I didn't really always realize the, the power or the importance of it. You know, when you're younger, you don't realize that people are like looking at you. Right. And now it's the it's the most important thing to me because what a lot of guys talk about like, oh, like why are women so supportive of each other in the business? Like, you know, the men aren't like that. The men are more competitive. Yeah. And it's like, listen, we all we got.
6: Not enough of yeah. us to be complaining. shit. We,
2: we all we got. And the more women that there are in the business, the less of a thing it is. Right. Then people turn on the TV and see a woman and they're like, oh, well, that's good. They, that's good that they put a girl on the show. Like, no, it's just, this is what I'm watching. You don't think about that when you watch news. It's men, women, all women hosted show, all men hosted show. It's not a thing. You just watching the news. But with sports, that's not what it is. It's different. And there's always a qualification and there's always a need to explain why she's qualified for this particular job. And mm-hmm. it's always a thing. So to me, having more women in the business, a variety of women in the business, empowered women in the business is very important. So it's my main goal in my career to... Leave the business looking different than the way that I came into it.
6: Right, absolutely. What has your experience been like at Fox?
2: Fox has been, Fox has been great. It's been a huge platform for me. Obviously, I started in Miami, which is a, a big market, but I wasn't a, a national voice before I came to Fox, and I hadn't done live national television. I worked for CBS Sports when I was in Miami, but um, working with Skip and Shannon was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I mean. If you know Skip and Shannon, you know that that's like an intense show to do. And it's, you know, 3.20 in the morning. Mm. It's a two and a half hour show. We work the
5: finals together in Cleveland.
2: Yep, yep. (laughs) Yeah, so it's a a big undertaking. But traveling, to your point, Cleveland and Oakland and the Super Bowl and McGregor fight in New York, like the US Open, having all those experiences... Really just, I think for me, helps me develop it in a huge way as a talent. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on mm-hmm. on that show behind the scenes. And as a moderator, you got to make sure everything's going. Like mm-hmm. they're just, they're in their own zone. Mm-hmm. Like you right. got to do all the technical things. The prompters down, you got to read it on the scripts. Hope you got your scripts in order. Like yep. there's a lot of stuff going on. So... That really helped me a lot. And now working with Colin's been, he's been one huge. of my
6: favorite, by the way, just as far as per- people just talking their shit, Colin's one of my favorite.
5: <laughs> he, and he's the best, I tell him all the time, he's the best ad reader on oh, TV. Yeah. Oh, yeah. On TV, bro.
2: He does do a good read.
4: Yeah.
2: Uh, Colin's been great. He's, he's a you know, he's a family guy. He's chill. He likes having his his cocktail and his, mm-hmm. um you know, his nice piece of fish. And he's just, he's one of those people that just really loves life. And that's a, that's a, that's a relief as a talent to work with somebody else who's very chill because it's a stressful business. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's, just, there's some shows like, listen, you can't call in sick. Like I couldn't call in sick on Undisputed. I called in sick twice in two years. And I'm not sick a lot, but like there's mm-hmm. no one else to do the show. Right. It's four o'clock in the morning. You can't call. There's no one to come in. If this is mm. like you, you better figure it out. So it's uh, it's been amazing working with Colin. He's a huge uh, supporter, and um, he makes he makes the show really fun and easy.
5: You you killed undisputed, but people don't know how difficult it is. It had to be a strong woman with a high with a high IQ to run that show with them too. Because I've been on the show. And she knows she knows when to cut them off to go to commercial. She know like it, it's not easy with two people like them rambling at each other the whole time. Like they won't even think about a commercial.
2: It takes a respect to do yeah. that job. Yeah. Yep. Cause you do have to cut them off. Yep. So you got to know when to cut them mm-hmm. off, so it's not. Of salty situation. (laughs) I mean, look, they're both professionals. They know we're doing a television show. At the end of the day, we got commercials, we got to get to break, we got to get to the next block, but they would just do that same topic for the next 30 minutes if you let them. So the funny thing that people don't, or I guess the thing that they assume about Undisputed, I don't know how it is on First Day because I don't work on that show, but on Undisputed, people are always like, what's it like in the breaks? I'm like they're not fighting in the. (laughs) Skip's
5: not even there. Skip walks off and goes to the back.
2: Goes over to the corner. He's looking at his notes. Shannon's on his phone, or he's you know singing or whatever. Like as soon as the as soon as the cameras off, like it's on to the next block. Yeah. So there's no real like animosity. It's like arguing with your friend. Like all right, all right, we're done. Where are we gonna go eat? You know, that's that's kind of how it is. But people always think it's like war, <laughs> war in the break. I'm like, no. damn, we would be tired as hell. Great great
5: sparring sessions, though. Great sparring yes. sessions. So I'm going to give you these three men that you've
6: worked with and just tell me a little bit about, or what you think about each of them. Uh, Shannon Sharp.
2: Shannon it has become one of the biggest stars in sports media. Yep. He was already, obviously, a star in football, mm-hmm. Hall of Famer, legendary, Broadcaster, but now he is like on a whole other level. Like, Unc has become. <laughs> and it was, what it is is because he gets it. Like, he really understands social media. kills
6: social media. He understands
2: how to do a great show. He understands how to do a great interview. And he doesn't take himself seriously. Right. Which I think is so important for that show. Is that he's going to go at it with Skip. They're going to have their battles, their sparring sessions. But. At the end of the day, he's gonna crack a joke, right? And keep it moving. Like he is, he really knows how to maintain that balance. So he's he's so fun to work with, and just a, he's a great person.
6: Shout out, Unc uh, Drip Bayless. Drip Bayless. I
2: love <laughs> love that chain. It's amazing.
5: Yeah.
2: Skip is Skip is great. Skip has been. I don't even know how to describe what Skip's done. Like just done for me in my career. A lot of people think Skip is like very hard and like mean. He's he's a passionate person. Yeah. So I think he's misunderstood. And look, they do a show where they give their opinion. Some people are gonna like your opinion. Some mm-hmm. people aren't. But I've seen Skip on the road. You've seen Skip mm-hmm. on the road. Don't get it twisted.
5: Don't get it twisted. People
2: love Skip.
5: <laughs> love it. They
2: love Skip. Mm-hmm. And Skip loves the people. Right. And Skip is gonna <laughs> stand there after every show, shake everybody's hand, so- take a picture with whoever is there, talk to them for as long as they want to talk to him. And he really loves doing and cares a lot about doing a great show. And he understands the importance of people are giving... Their time to us to watch this show. So I'm going to do my best. my best by them and give them an entertaining show. Mm-hmm. And he lives and breathes and dies sports. Like right. his wife wrote a book about how to be with someone <laughs> who is obsessed with <laughs> sports. sports. Like he's on another level with that. He's going to watch anything that's on TV when it comes to sports. But he's also just a really sweet person. Like he, we had to work Christmas Day for the first two years of Undisputed. Which for me is hard. I have a big family and like, it's hard for me to be on LA, out here in LA, everybody's on the East Coast, so I can't go see them. Like him and his wife had me at their house for Christmas. Like they're amazing people and he's been incredible to me.
6: I love hearing that softer side because I mean, Shannon told us how much he advocated for him to be on that show. Skip said he wasn't going to do that show unless Shannon Sharp did it. You know, so to be able to see the other side of Skip, because like you said, unless you know him behind the scenes, you only see Skip... From, from from the show, and you think, you know, you. that's like only seeing us on the court. You think that's who we are as people, but to see it and hear the other side, I think that's dope.
2: Well, Skip and I actually, talking about being a face-to-face person, when I was getting, talking to uh, Skip and everyone about being on the show, some tweets came out from me about Skip.
6: Oh, in the past. When I was in Miami.
2: <laughs> and, you know, Skip is a Spurs fan.
6: Die hard. That's a that's that's beef. Why he loves me. that's beef.
2: I'm a heat fan, and I'm doing a show in Miami when the whole world hates Miami, right. So Skip and I had already met a bunch of times before this, and then they came out, and I was like, all right, well, you know, if he doesn't want me to be on the show, I't like it sucks, but I understand. like this is just what happens. But I was like, but I want to talk to him. I am to tell him face to face, explain myself, and you know have a conversation with him. So I went and met with him, and I was like, First of all, I apologize. Obviously, I didn't know you personally. I don't feel this way. But, you know, first and foremost, I think it's important when you say something that harms someone, it's okay to really actually apologize. No question. No question. Like, it doesn't make you less of a person. It doesn't make you like anything. It's the right thing to do. If anyone in your life did something and they said, you hurt me or this or that, or you offended me, just apologize. Right. So I said, I'm sorry for that. And this is why we're doing the show in Miami. Everyone in the world hates Miami. You're a Spurs fan, obviously. Had some things to say about <laughs> the war. And he, would, like, could not have been better about it to me. He was like, it's, it's cool. I get it. I get the show we do. I get the show you had to do in Miami. I've done local before. Like, fans want to hear only positive stuff about their team. And he was like, I understand. This, this is what sports radio is. And, like, could not have been cooler about
5: it. Yeah, I love Skip. That's the reason why I'm still working undisputed and started work because Skip, like, he loved having me on. Not just because I was brought a championship to the Spurs, mm-hmm. but he loved <laughs> he loved different aspects. Uh, and then I, you know, he, with him being so smart, he still want to hear what players I have to mm-hmm. say. He's a showman. I yeah, love it. Like I, I love said, I,
6: I just he like I said, I think those two together know how to make. They're great showmen, so they know how to make a great show.
2: I think the show triggers people because the the beats of the show require you to have strong opinions you don't back off of. Right. And people think that the opinions are manufactured and they're not. It's just a well-produced show.
1: Very well-produced. So
2: even if they they do topics they agree on yeah, sometimes because they have to do the topic, but they're going to come from their angle and that's what makes the debate. So it's not, oh, uh, what, do you, what do you think about the game tonight? Well, I think Giannis, you know, Giannis is pretty good. I, I, I think Giannis is going to do well tonight. Okay, me too. But I'll that. say he's going to suck. That's, that's not how it's produced. Right. It's a question, and then they naturally have other opinions. And that's how the show's produced. So people think it's all manufactured, and it's not.
0: What's up? I'm John Wall.
1: And I'm CJ Toledana, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA six Man of the Year,
5: I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win
0: a one on one concept. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard.
5: Like, you see him in the exactly. Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top not of it. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Casella, point game. I remember mean, you came out my him crying, <laughs> crying, I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning.
0: Know what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't not need it?
1: <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive to work. In traffic, so slow connect the dishes to voices that glow thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio connect the stories change your perspective connecting changes everything AT&T
3: got my Prevnar 20 shot
4: it's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine for us wise folks it helps protect
5: I'm 19 strong
4: and asthmatic and at higher risk
2: He cares so much about doing a really good show. So we prep different. It's a little like behind the scenes. For Undisputed, our show meeting is 30 minutes, if that. It's usually 20 minutes. And it's just, here's the topics. Here's the question. Who's going first? Who's going second? Here's where the guests are. Everybody out. Yeah. There's no conversation about what Skip's opinion is or Shannon's opinion is, they both go their separate ways with their producers and start working on their notes. And then I go to hair and makeup and start working on my notes. So there's no long conversation in the meeting. Heard is a two-hour meeting. Mm. We're going over every single topic, every single angle. All the producers are weighing in. I'm weighing in. Colin's weighing in. So it's a completely different process to prep for the show. Now, there's are two different shows. Mm-hmm. Colin and I do a three-hour radio show and that's a debate show, so the beats are different. But he just preps so much. Like he doesn't like having space where he's just rambling. He hates that. Now he and I can have a back and forth, but you'll notice we don't do a whole lot. We're not gonna have a whole segment where we're talking about like Doritos. Like we're just, we're doing a sports show and we wanna do a good show. And he's gonna show up every day, giving you the best show that he can do. And he's just, like I said, he's a family guy. He loves hanging out with his wife. Loves hanging out with his kids. They have six of them together, so he's like all about his family and just enjoying life. Like he's he's a very cool, fun person to work with. What went into moving from Undisputed to to The Hurt? Well, um, so I started in radio, as we know. So and I talk a lot, as we know. I think you can tell that by now. So when I started on Undisputed, well, when I came to FS One, I guess I should say I was doing a four hour radio show in Miami before I came here.
5: How long is The Hurt?
6: The Hurt is three hours. Yeah, hours, okay. So and only an hour on air
2: hours oh, on air. No. Yeah. 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 I mean with commercials and right. all that right. like you're not mm-hmm. actually talking for three mm-hmm. straight hours but it's a three hour show. I came to FS1 to be an opinionist. So you're not giving your opinion and you're a moderator. Now it's right. a huge platform working with Skip and Shannon and a big opportunity and it was vital for my career to do that show. But when I went into the show, I was like, okay, I'm gonna do that for this, these reasons and to get you know live television experience and all these things. But I can't do the show forever. Like, this is not what I came here to do. Cause I you can't really
5: give your opinion. I can't You're give my moderating. opinion.
2: I have things to say. Right. And this is, this is not the role that I wanna have for 10 years, ooh, six ooh. years, whatever, no matter how great the show is doing. Right. So I want like two years, two years and then I gotta move on. Also, you don't have any kind of life when you're on that show. Like right. I got to be in bed, like in bed at nine o'clock, yeah. not going to bed at nine o'clock, showered in bed with the lotion on at nine yeah. o'clock. Out. So you like during the week, you just don't do anything, which is fine. I still kind of don't do anything, but it's a it's a very scheduled life. So I got two years of this and Christine was leaving the herd right around when the two year mark was coming up. So it was a, a kind of easy transition just to move across the studio. Yeah, Colin probably. and I had done the show a lot together because anytime she was out, so I would fill in. in right? So I already knew the beats of the show and had a pretty good relationship with Colin. So that, that's really how it worked out. And then over the years, I think Colin and I have just gotten to know each other better and the chemistry yeah, got, had gotten a lot better. better. Yeah. And then last year, having to work from home and do a three-hour sports show with no sports on for four months... Made, made things, made things. Now it feels like we don't even have to like we're we're on that we're on that next wavelength. Mm-hmm. Like the you know we don't have to talk. Just this okay. You need me to talk here. Let's go, because that just that made things so difficult to work through. So um, but yeah, that's that's really the reason why I moved over.
6: How do you personally judge or kind of measure your performance from show to show?
2: You get well, obviously, like I don't get ratings, and we don't really pay attention. That's 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 for the suits to worry mm-hmm. about. Like right. we're gonna do the show, and we're good. Our, our ratings are are really good. they are really good, but I don't worry about the ratings. For me, if Colin is excited and he and I are having like a good exchange and the conversation moves past whatever the first level of it was, to me, that's a good show. It's not necessarily what people are reacting to on social media because sometimes people just get upset about something you say and that's not necessarily engagement. To me, I'm like, if I feel like Colin was activated, like he has thought of something different or thinks about something different than the way he can- thought about it coming into the show. If he and I had a good exchange throughout the show and we had good guests and like the f- energy was just flowing, like that's that's a good show to me.
6: So outside of that, you have your, uh, your podcast, Maybe I'm Going Crazy. So you guys are on a little break right now. And then uh, Thursday Night Football Scouts feed um, on Prime Video. What is it like just being able to maneuver in all these different fields, for someone who loves sports so much, and I mean, you're getting paid for all of it. You're
5: a tomboy.
2: <laughs> I mean, I am a, I am a tomboy. It's a blessing. I mean, it's a blessing to be able to do this. This is, this is the dream, right? We just sit around and talk about sports and talk about what we love all day. It's not easy. I don't ever want to give out away that uh, impression. It is still a job. It's still work. Yes. Um, but if it's work that you love, it's not tedious. Right. So, you know, there's never a point where I'm just walking into work and, like, just doing work today. Like, there's a process. You have to watch all the games. Sometimes you don't feel like watching a game. Like, sometimes mm-hmm. you just want to watch a movie. You don't care about this game necessarily because everybody doesn't care about everything all the time. Even if you are a big sports fan, that's only Skip. Right. <laughs> like, all, only Skip is in that space. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing. It's a blessing. It's, it's given me the opportunity to meet people – that I never believed I would ever be in the same room with, to see places all over the country um, that otherwise I I might not have seen, be at events, be at historic spaces. And also to have a voice, which, you know, I think having a voice, especially in today's society, a voice that isn't just uh, redundant or, you know, kind of pushed into the crowd is, I mean, that's that's an incredible thing to have and something I take very seriously, is powerful. So all of that to me is just, um, I, I just feel really blessed.
5: I got two questions. What are your career goal- goals go- going forward? And what happened to turn up Fridays?
2: <laughs> I should change it to turn up Friday. This dance party Friday. <laughs> yeah, dance party Friday. Fridays. Well,
5: yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: It's hard to do Dance Party Friday by myself. I yeah, look crazy. Yeah, yeah. I can yeah. barely dance as it is. Um, so that's what happened to Dance Party Friday. I guess I should bring it back because I might change it to Turn Up Friday. A lot of people Turn Up Fridays better.
5: But a lot of people at the office was looking forward to that.
2: I know, but like, there's nobody in the office. Right. So now I got, and then like, people would see me coming and like run because they didn't they didn't want to be on Dance Party Friday. But yeah, that's what happened to Dance Party Friday. Yeah. Um But my goals. I mean, I want to have my own show.
5: Yeah, of course. In
2: the opinion space. Um, which will hopefully, you know, be coming soon. And then my long-term goal is to have my own network. I think mm, being able to produce content too. for other people and give other people voices. And look, to be honest, you know, I don't, I don't you, all, you have a, a lifespan on camera, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you right, know? Right. So long-term, I want to be able to transition into a space where I can create things for other people mm. and, you know, tell other people's stories and um, be able to leave an impact on the on the business in that way.
6: Love it. Dope. Quick hitters. First thing to come to mind, let us know. Your female athlete, Mount Rushmore.
2: Actually, I think I've done this before, so I don't want to mess it up. I wish you'd have given this, me this before so I could really— All right, so <laughs> don't quote me on this because I might change my mind, but got to be Serena Williams. Mm-hmm. I'm going to obviously put FloJo. I was about to say, don't do
5: that. Don't leave her out.
2: <laughs> it's got to be FloJo. Um, You know what? I'm going to make this my personal Mount That's Rushmore. That's what you're you to, to do. do that. That's okay. all we want. Because obviously, like this is debatable, but for me, the women that impacted me—definitely FloJo, um, Serena Williams, uh, Cheryl Swoops. Honestly, for me, yeah. growing up,
6: shout out Cheryl. She was on the show.
2: Uh, I loved Cheryl. The I thought was—I thought her girl. name was so cool, and she—I was just like, I'm gonna be Cheryl Swoops. She had a shoe. Like I, she, she was amazing to me. A uh, big inspiration growing up. Being, you know. Five foot tall basketball player, thought I was gonna be Michael Jordan, but Cheryl Sluice was amazing. And who did I love? Cause I don't wanna leave, I don't, I don't wanna be disrespectful. You know what? Layla Ali.
6: Ooh, <clears> I like that.
2: Layla Ali, you know, cause I be fighting sometimes. So <clears throat> Layla Ali, uh, Cheryl Sluice, Flojo, and Serena, Serena Williams. Williams.
5: I like that. Three songs that describe you in the present. Hmm. The Dance Fever.
2: <laughs> um, you know what? I've been listening to a lot of Afro beats lately, um, a lot of Nigerian music. So I love Burner Boy. What um, is
6: Afro beats? It's, it goes. So some girl in the gym that I work at was on her Afro beat stuff, and I asked the same. What question. is that though?
2: It's African music.
6: Oh, African music.
5: Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. So I would say Burn. So I'll say Burner Boy. Yeah. You know, I'm always in a Tupac hit him up mood. There you there. go. There you Plant. go. So. We'll, leave, we'll, we'll keep that up there. Number one in my book. <laughs> and it's got to be a song right now or just a song in general. It's in, in the general. present.
5: What you jamming in the present?
2: I'll do uh, Masego, Mystery Lady.
5: Mystery Lady.
2: Yeah.
6: All right, I'm going to pop a question in here before it's not on here, but I want to know, I've known you for a while and you're always very mild-mannered, calm, together. Have you ever had a fan moment? Has like, anyone like an athlete or celebrity kind of give you a fan moment?
2: Oh yeah, when I met Junior Sayow, I cried. <laughs> I love Junior Sayow
6: growing up. Rest in peace. Yeah, yeah. R.I.P.
2: Junior, because uh, he played for a year in Miami, so I got a chance to meet him. Uh-huh. And he was so cool. Legend. Actually, the picture as me, I'm like, and I'm crying. Oh really? You can see my the whole My eyes Um. So yeah, I was I was tripping when I met Junior Sayow. I mean, I met I met Michael at his golf tournament. This is actually a funny story. This is a better Jason story than the one I told earlier. So Jason was playing with him. He was a Jordan
1: yeah.
2: athlete. Yep. So he was playing with him in his, his golf tournament and he brought me down for my 21st birthday to the Bahamas with him. So I'm like, look, he's always bragging about how he sees Jordan all the time. And I'm a huge MJ zealot. So I was like, if you don't introduce me to Michael, I'm not gonna talk to you anymore. Like we're not family anymore. It's ridiculous. Like you, you know him, you're gonna golf with him. I should get to meet him. So I'm being a pain ass little sister because he doesn't like doing that stuff. Mm-hmm. So Michael walks in the first night into the restaurant and I'm like, all right, let's go. Like, I need to meet Michael.
6: Come on, Jason. I him like, a
2: chance. I'm in the same place. I got to meet him. But I'm like, obviously very nervous. So I walk up to him and I'm just like, hi. He's like, oh, like whatever they're talking. He's like, oh, it's my little sister. My kind, nice to meet you. He's like, it's her, it's her 21st birthday today. So Mike's like, oh, it's her 21st birthday. That's so awesome. Like, let's go do a, let's go do a tequila shot. I'm like, fuck yeah, let's go
5: do a tequila
2: shot with Michael Jordan. Like, I'm gonna do a tequila shot with Michael Jordan, let's go. And Jason was like, hell no. Nah. Really? <laughs> no, he totally blocked it. Ah, wow. I
5: was like, what are you doing? Come on. Can't Jeff. do that. I'm
2: like, come on. This is Michael. And he's like, no, nah, no, nah, it's cool, Mike. Like, we're having dinner or whatever. And he's like, all right. And he's like, you yeah, if you want that shot later, let me know. I'm like, I will when I get away from him. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I was like, what are you doing? He's like, no, nah, you can't go with Mike. I'm like, I'm not. It's Michael. Like, what is, what are you talking about?
5: Can't tell Mike no.
2: Can't tell Mike no. So I didn't get to do the shot with with Michael, but I guess it's a, it's a better story now. <laughs> I told, I talked to him about it at the Super Bowl actually with Colin, and he said the reason that he uh, didn't let me go was because he was mad that Michael didn't ask him to do a shot with him. <laughs> so he was being a hater. Shot blocker. Yeah. Shit.
6: Uh, <laughs> top five most important sports moments to you.
2: These are tough questions, guys. These are lists. I like to put effort into these lists.
6: Let me get three then because five is a lot. Give me three.
2: Okay. Um, I think... You know, these aren't, well, I'll say important. I just like things that come to my mind because right. I don't want to be like, I don't want to, there's obviously bigger social mm-hmm. moments. Right. Um, don't overthink it. Yeah. Okay. So I think Tom Brady coming back in the Super Bowl against the Falcons was a huge right. moment. Huge,
5: huge moment.
2: I think that, for, at least for me, solidified him as the greatest quarterback ever. Right. Um, I think LeBron's first championship in Miami. Oh, uh, Miami. Um, I'm a little biased, but I do think it was important for him to get over that and that I think that era of the heat the big three in Miami is I've never seen any team get more hate yeah ever at any first point in my three. life the first big three LeBron yep. leaves Cleveland they do that ridiculous press conference which by the way I love extra shit but I was watching that like this is a disaster. Yeah. Like everyone's already mad at him. And then Miami's going to do what Miami does. And there's the fire and the yeah. like lights and the fans. And we're just going to rub it in everyone's face now. And then talk about seven championships. I was like, oh, y'all never even played together yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Calm down.
5: High expectations.
2: Yes. Yes. Does it set the bar a little lower, but whatever, it worked out. So I thought that was a, a huge moment. I think, you I know what, mine. I think it's not an actually on the court moment, but I mean I'm being very like recency biased here cuz I would do a better list if I could think about it longer. But I think Naomi Osaka mm, not sitting out the sitting out the tournament yeah. was really really important because she is becoming one of the biggest stars. She's the highest paid woman female athlete right, last year.
5: Right.
2: I think like 55 million dollars or something. She's becoming the biggest star not just in sports, but of course, you know, Serena is eventually going to mm-hmm. retire. I'm not retiring Serena Williams obviously, but right. like Naomi Saka is becoming a huge international star. She already is. She's becoming a superstar. And to see the support that she got for that and the the reality of the impact of how unnecessary some of these, as someone in the media, these media press conferences can be, how intimidating it can be, how we expect everybody to have the same kind of personality and ability to Mm -hmm. absorb those moments. um, And for her to stand up and say she wasn't going to compete because she wasn't going to participate in it, I thought it was a really impactful. Especially moment.
5: for how young she is. Yeah. Where where is your brother breaking the sack record?
2: <laughs> She's gonna be mad at me for that. Right. Um. You know, it's weird when I think about my brother's career. I think when you're close to somebody, it's it it, it uh, in some ways desensitizes you yeah. to like some of the what the their, their accomplishments their are. When I saw him, like his reception at the Hall of Fame. It was like really a a sobering moment to like everything he's really accomplished. Like your
5: brother. How great really he,
2: that, really he really was. Yeah, and I always knew he was great, but yeah. it's like... But your it's, brother, it's though. Your bro- it's your right. brother, so you yeah. don't really absorb it the same the same way as somebody who's a fan or somebody who doesn't doesn't know him. But yeah, I mean, he's... he's he and I are, are very alike in a lot of ways, but he is a much more patient person when it comes to dealing with like the media, mm-hmm. I'm glad that he played before I got in this business, yeah. and now it's coming full circle because my nephews are about to be playing in college, All right. and uh, you know, hopefully, we'll make the league as well. So I'm going to be covering them, mm-hmm. which will be an interesting be experience.
6: Cool. Uh, five dinner guests, dead or
2: alive: Tupac, mm-hmm. <laughs> Tupac, uh, Whitney Houston, mm. she's my favorite, Muhammad Ali. Mm. Oprah,
6: and Howard Stern. Is that five? Yeah, that's five. I like that Howard Stern. That's his last little chance. I need him to give me some pointers. One message
5: on the billboard, what would it be? That's seen around the world.
2: Do your research. Mm. Man, I can't stand that shit. Right. I cannot stand when people say ignorant shit. Yep. When there is information available to you. I think a lot of people are more afraid of learning something and then their original thought being disproven, right. then being educated. That is not cute. Who told you that was cute? Right. It makes me insane. <laughs> As somebody who like understands I could get sued for saying something on air that isn't accurate, right. I'm like, this, you don't have any kind of threshold for that. And we live in a time, we live in a post-truth society. Right. And the internet, for all of its, you know, glorious provisions. Is also a place where you can get information that is completely untrue. Right. And I under I sympathize with people in that there's just a lot of information. It's it's hard to find the truth, right? To find actual facts. And you can wander across a blog that looks legit, all the graphics look good, but this is just an opinion oh, space shit. for someone. Everything's Google. Yes, but <laughs> it, it is, but like in a way, it's not because this could just be somebody's opinion. This right. this is not necessarily a fact. Like, where are you getting this information? Could you use this as a source in a college paper? Mm-hmm. Should be like the standard for where, where you're getting your facts from. Right. Like, has this been approved by multiple people from a high level of whatever this business is as actual information? People just get their news off of stickers, right. like internet stickers. Yeah. This is a meme someone made on Word Swag. Like, this is where you're getting your news from? It's maddening to me because then they share it and it becomes Wild facts. Fire, right? And then that person tells somebody else and then all of a sudden it's just real and right. it's not. Right. So do your research and and, and don't do it because... For any other reason, then you need to know what the truth is so when you're saying— So you won't sound dumb. Right, so you won't sound dumb. <laughs> don't you not want to sound dumb? Right. Well, it's about
6: now, I mean, to me, now it's about being first, not necessarily being right. And then you go back and you're not right. The, the, the What do you do then? You know, you're know, you allowed to have to an first.
2: opinion, but you're also allowed to change your opinion.
1: Right. You don't
2: have the same opinion on life you had when you were 16 years old. Right. Nor do you, nor do I. I don't have the same opinions about stuff I had yesterday right? because I have new information. We know we all went through this last year, right? And I don't want to get into like whatever is anyone's opinion about it, whatever it is, it's fine, right? But the thing that made me the most crazy is every time we'd get new information, everyone would be like, well, your scientist said it was different yesterday. That's how science works. right? That's why they do research. <laughs> so right. if the opinion changes, they have to tell you it's different now. Right. We have new information. You wouldn't go to the doctor and be like, I want that surgery, do surgery They did it 15, the way they did it 15 years ago. Like, okay, well, we can do it with a laser now and you don't have a scar and like you probably won't get an infection and die. Right. Like, no, no, no. I, you said before that this <laughs> way worked. So I don't like this new way, even though it's been proven for 15 years. Like you got to do it the way that was in the book because otherwise you lied. Like right. it's not a lie. It's an update of information. and It's not just about the medical community. Like in life, it's period. okay to change your opinion. Do your research.
5: Last question, Joy. Um, who do you want to see on All The Smoke? And you have to help us with your answer.
2: Oh, that means I have to book them?
5: No, just, just, <laughs> just,
6: just,
2: just make a call for just us. Just connect the dots. Send a text. Um, well, I'm glad I was finally invited. Um, you guys have been nice enough to come on my podcast, so yes. I appreciate it. And I think you were on the uh, Facebook Live show too, yep. like way back in the yep. day. Yep. Who would I like to see on here? Um, I'd love for you guys to have Shakari on here.
5: Awesome. We can get her for
2: sure. <laughs> I think she'll be a great interview. Who else? You know what? I think when, when Tom, Tom's not going to do the best interview now, but if you could get Tom Brady on here, I mm. feel like you can finally get all the tea.
5: Mm. Well, You're you, you saying names, but you forgot to... I
2: can't book Tom Brady. I mean,
5: I'm just saying you got to help us. We didn't say book. We said help.
2: <laughs> help. I'll tweet at him. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You, oh. you got to get Sha'Carri on here, though, oh. for for starters. I would love to hear just more about her story from... a. Uh, a comfortable space.
5: We come and get you, Scary. Yeah. We come and get you.
6: Well, that's a wrap. Joy, thank you for your time. Thank you for having me. Another addition of All the Smoke. Joy Taylor, you can catch us on Showtime Basketball YouTube and the
5: iHeart platform, Black Effects. See y'all next week. Peace. This is All the Smoke, a production of the Black Effect and iHeart Radio in partnership with Showtime.